I'm going to try and be very brief because our time is going and because I really want to get to, at the end, I want to get us praying for each other and I'm conscious of the time. So I will just lock in, okay? I'll keep just like, okay, it's 15 minutes or just lock in for that time and uh, we've, been, we've been enjoying this series. If you're not here regularly, we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit, the empowering presence of God and it's been a great series. Two weeks ago, if you did not hear that sermon that Tim brought, I really mean it. It was, it was amazing. And it's sort of where we're going as a church, really. He just nailed it. I, got, I went up to him after he preached on Sunday night, and I said, man, you nailed it. You know, and in typical Tim fashion, knowing that I was preaching in two weeks, he said, pressure's on me, pressure's on me. <laughs> <laughs> Our pastor is a great encourager, you know. <laughs> I walked away thinking, gosh, you know, uh, we've been moving out, so I've got a new job. I'm thinking, oh, Tim. Anyway, so let's pray. God, I'm going to ask you by the, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you'd anoint these words. I pray most of all that I represent you well and represent your church well. And I pray that you would move on people in an amazing way at the end of this message, not by me, but by us praying for each other, and that your gifts will be released in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The great verse in Isaiah 66, it came to me recently because I was wondering about the shape of this message, because it's about spiritual gifts and things, but I, I felt in my own time with God, he reminded me of this verse in Isaiah 66, verse 1, that says, the Lord says, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Wow. This is the Old Testament. Uh, God saying, where's my house? What's kind of dwelling? And he's talking about a building because God loves to come and be in places. And there's, you know, God has preferences about where he might be. And you know, this is the Old Testament. That was a building. But the New Testament is the people of God. God wants to be with his people. It's not a physical temple. It's not a church building. It's a temple which is the people of God. It's his church. God wants to be with his church. I love that amazing verse in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So you, you and I are a temple of the Holy Spirit, but together we are the temple of God in a place. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit where He can dwell and He wants to dwell. He wants to come and dwell with us and be with us and encounter us, you know, week by week. I suppose in many ways the question of what sort of house we're looking to build for God is still a question He is asking of us and we should be attempting to answer. What sort of house are we trying to build here at Manly Life? You know, we, we are consumed on the northern beaches with housing. <laughs> Every question, you know, well, you know, always question, we've got a real estate agent here, Dave, he was helping us as we're selling our house. And, Every question, if you go out for dinner in Manly, I guarantee go restaurant to restaurant, housing, the price of housing, what's going on? You know, God had a go at people in the Old Testament. He said, you are too bothered about housing, your own housing. What about my house? That's in the Old Testament. It says, you are consumed with housing. What about my house? What kind of house are you going to build for me? And God would say that today. What's, 
What should God's house look like? Where is He going to come? God has personality. God has preferences. God doesn't go to every church house. You know, you see that in the book of Revelation. I don't want to know. Maybe I'll preach it, but I don't want to know. But God has preference. He wants to dwell in a place. We should be thinking, what kind of house do you want? Where's he going to dwell? Is it smells and bells? Is it defined liturgy? Is it, you know, three worship songs, the notices and a preach? Is that, is that what it is? Of course, it's, it's more fundamental than that. Surely we want to build something amongst us where God himself is passionate to attend. He knows it's a place where he receives worship from the heart. And where he has the opportunity to bless his people and to have space to move. As I've already quoted 1 Corinthians 13, you and I are temples. Corporately, he wants to come to a temple. And that's why there's another provocation that says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Oh, man, that's a bit harsh for the Northern Beaches. Oh, no, I don't want to go this Sunday. I've heard Tim three times in a row, come on, it's getting, you know, oh, it's wet, it's really wet. Oh, COVID, that's a, that's a good one now. Why aren't you coming to church? Oh, COVID. <laughs> Don't give up meeting Tim. Why does God say that? Because anything can happen. You know, the church should be a place of massive expectation. Yeah. Should be a place like, what is going to happen in that house today? What is God going to do in that place today? You know, that should be a place. Like Sim was saying, he couldn't continue in church because it didn't embrace him. didn't embrace the gifts. He got baptised in the Spirit. And that's a little bit of my story. You think, you know, where is... Well, the, pl- the church should be a place where that's embraced. Where there's massive evangelism coming out of the local church, not just in organisations. Or why we honour all that God's done there. It should be pumping out of the church. So... What are some of the things that, you know, what sort of should the house look like? Well, it should be, I'm just going to say briefly this. So I'm going to get some water. That's great. There you go. Is this all right? Keep going. <laughs> Am I on target? Is the pressure lifting for me? <laughs> it should be a place of life place of leadership, a place of love, very briefly, okay? Yeah. A place of love. God's passion is to see people in love with him, loving one another, loving their community, including the poor. You know, love for God is fundamental. Worship should be bursting out of the church. It should be difficult to stop worship times in this church. It be difficult to even preach, you know, think, no, let's just keep going. It was great this morning, wasn't it? You know, he's worthy. You know, I could have gone an hour, you know, it's Worship him, you know. We want to be, there should be laughter. There's a lot of laughter in this church. Hallelujah. Devotion to one another. Preferring one another. Mercy, like Greg's talking about, you know, in India and Bangladesh. God loves mercy. The love of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbour as yourself. That's the bottom line. That's the top line. That's the point of church that God wants to be in where we love God with all our hearts. We love one another. We love our community. We love the poor. We're passionate for that. Amen? Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about leadership? Well, when churches were being formed in the New Testament, Paul said to Timothy, go and appoint elders across the churches. Interestingly, it's, it's always plural. Leadership is always plural in the, in the New Testament. Paul's passion was about largely character, actually, not gifting. 
God wasn't looking for charismatic superstars, one-man bands. That's very difficult to justify biblically. It's just not there in the New Testament. It's, it's Old Testament. So God's looking for that. God's looking for shepherds who would together guard and guide the flock. I love that description in 1 Peter 5 verse 2. It's so important for spiritual gifts that this sort of leadership is in place. God's instruction to elders. Be shepherds of God's flock that is among you, watching over them, not out of compulsion, but because it is God's will, not out of greed, but out of eagerness, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. What a charge. What a charge to leaders. Well, why shouldn't you lord it over people? Because they're not yours to lord it over. They're God's. They're God's treasured possession. And they're priests unto the Lord. We're all saints and we're all priests. The priesthood of all believers is an amazing truth. The fact is we can all minister to God. We don't have to go through... You know, um, someone else that, you know, Sarah, I, I work in a Catholic school setting. I mean, you know, father this, father that, you know, saint this, saint that. I think we're all saints. Every one of you is a saint. Yeah. You know, if we're priests unto the, to the Lord. You know, we can all move in the gifts of the Spirit. We have something to bring to bless the local expression of church. It's not all up to Greg or Victoria or Tim or Carolee. It's not up to them. We have a responsibility to move in them, whether it be here, whether it be connect group, whether it be at our workplace, wherever we are, God empowers us to be priests. And God's saying to do that here. Adam, Adam brought this, this wonderful prophetic word six months ago, and I'm thinking, so you know, I think, are we really in God's, are we in the right place here? And Adam came to me and said, just want you to know you're really valued as a senior man here, and I just want to honour you. And, and it was like a prophetic word of knowledge. I thought, he had no idea what I was thinking. I thought, thank God for Adam. <laughs> and so things are happening here, but it takes, it takes leadership godly that releases that. And I, I actually personally thank God for the leadership in this church, because I feel it is releasing. You know? it's, like, it's a beautiful thing. So love, leadership, and thirdly, life. God has an expectation that life is going to burst out of the church. Yeah, that's that's what it is. It's about you know, whenever Jesus ministered, there was life everywhere. You know, storms were getting stilled and dead people were getting raised. You know, God, Jesus went to funerals. He says, you know, don't weep to the woman whose son had killed. Like that's a pretty, you know, pretty amazing thing to say. I wouldn't do that at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? I often think at funeral, I'm dangerous, you know. I was always thinking, God, do you want me to try and at least raise this person and have a go? <laughs> because, you know, that's what we should be thinking. You know, God, um, when Shane Warren died, I thought, God, wouldn't that be great? Raise him he had an encounter with you. I mean, that should be what we're thinking. <laughs> Imagine that, you know. And the stuff broke out, you know, Jesus sucked mud on people's eyes. You know, things were happening. We think, wow, there was life everywhere. And guess what? Jesus said, better I go, I'm going to leave you another counsellor, the Holy Spirit who will be with you forever. Yeah. Guess what? He started breaking out with, amongst people. People, new boldness came on people. People who were really scared before weren't anymore. Miracles happened. 
The church is an exciting place to be. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's a it's a place of expectation. Okay. Let me just tell you my story very briefly. Okay. I I as Tim asked us to share a little bit of the preaching, share a bit of our stories. Okay. So that's I'll try and be very brief. Okay. So I became a Christian when I was thirteen. And if you're a guy in the Wood Baptist, then you'll be pleased to know I was. I became a Christian at Epping Baptist Church. So, when I was 13, my wife also became a Christian uh, after me in that church, when I brought it to that church. So we're grateful for that. And um, I remember it clearly. A Scottish evangelist was preaching. I went to the front. The presence of the Holy Spirit attended me, just like you said, Greg. And you said that on, during this series. I thought that's exactly, you know, I knew the Holy Spirit. I was, in, I was 13. As I grew up, most of my, Christian, most of my friends were not Christians. I went to Epping High. Um, all my mates were Christians. I was an absolutely hopeless witness. In my late teens, early teens, I thought, I just got nothing. Like, this is, I, I, why am I crit? Like, there's no power. There's nothing going on to it. I can't witness to anyone. I'm timid. Um, I can't. Do it, you know, do anything for God. I just think I need something. So I started to look at the scriptures. I started to, to investigate things about the Holy Spirit. Just read the thing. Just what does it say about the Holy Spirit? And I started to discover that God wanted to fill me with his spirit. And then I met some Pentecostal friends at uh, university. And they told me, they said, look, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. <laughs> and I thought, I know that's not true. Because I know I'm a Christian. I know God came to me. So I started to search, search hard. And I read testimonies like this from Charles Finney, who's a famous revivalist. He says, as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any recollection that I'd ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. And I do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me. I thought I was going to die. Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I had no fear of death. How long I continued in this state with this baptism, continuing to roll over me and go through me, I do not know. That was foreign to me. I'll summarise, it's now not foreign to me. God baptised me in his spirit, and guess what? I've been filled and filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. Not always intensely like that, sometimes very calmly. Paul says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, if someone says, I had an experience once. I remember my grandfather, both my grandfathers were Baptist ministers. Um, I remember, well, you know, grand, old people, they grab you. He used to grab me by. He goes, I've had experiences of the Holy Spirit. And I used to ask him, I thought, ah, I thought I was going to (laughs) die. But the Bible says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, getting filled like that with the Holy Spirit, I was on fire like Simba was. I thought, where am I going to go? It didn't really fit fit the Baptist church in the early 80s. I remember going to my pastor, I said, well, it's a, you know, look at this. He goes, I said, this is before I was baptized in the Spirit. Look what I'm reading. What do you think of that? The New Testament. Look at the breakout of God. He said, look, we're in a new era. 
，啊，做老点王德利位置啊，我放你后头啊。So Sue and I started backpacking around the world in '85. Is it '85? And、um, took a one-way ticket to Singapore, headed north.、Um, my dad is down. Said, "What are you doing? Where, where are you going after that?" I, said, I don't know. <laughs> Just heading north, you know.、Uh, had encounters with God there, and almost went to Regent College like you. Had a John got healed by with a perforated eardrum. Couldn't travel.、Uh, listening to tapes from John Wimber, who's Tim's often mentioned, the joy of reading and being with a bit later.、Um, Healings, and I thought, God, where, where are you going to take us? God ended up taking us to England in Brighton. Three of my kids are here to, today; they're all born in England. So I said, Dad, I'll be gone a year. Eighteen years later, came back、um, and ended up having the joy of leading a church. Anyway, early days there. Started working for American Express. I'm a social worker; it wasn't my deal, but just filling in as you do as a traveller. I asked this guy, "Where do you go to church?" He said, "I go to a cinema." I thought, oh, good Baptist. I thought, cinema. I don't know what we're going to find there. Anyway, so I walked into the cinema. Guess what? Wall of worship. Absolute wall of worship. People just, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of people, close to a thousand people, just worshiping God. Then I noticed people in the congregation started to contribute. People read a scripture that was anointed. You thought, "Whoa!" Someone would bring a tongue and an interpretation, which I think interpretations of tongues is always God. It's like a prayer, anointed prayer of thanksgiving. Someone would bring a tongue, and someone then would interpret it, and the worship would just keep building and building. Someone then would bring a prophetic word. You think, and it wasn't chaos because it was leadership led. You know, it was like people would sometimes submit their things. Sometimes they were trusted in the church, and they bring it because they were well known over years. And it was like God is in the house.、Yeah. It was like heaven. It wasn't like we sing a song and we stop, sing another song, stop, sing another song, stop. Or the worship leader says a prayer. It was like the flow of the Spirit was there. God was there, anointing people, and it wasn't the same every week. Wasn't the same people. I was like a new liturgy. All right, now some say they'll bring their tongue. Oh yeah, and then they'll interpret. Oh yeah, and this guy will bring. No, it was like sometimes there were kids participating. I heard anointed words of knowledge from kids. I mean, it was phenomenal. I read a, a testimony from. I'm、oh, sorry, I read a, a friend of mine writing a book in the UK, and she、um, wrote this this week. I'm going to stand in a minute and pray. She says this: When people visit our church or churches, because they've planted churches, when people visit our churches, they should realise there's something different about us because God is in the room. A church without the manifest presence of God is no different to any other social gathering people could attend. But when God comes and meets with people during worship. Or brings revelation to people through preachers, or sets people free during ministry. That's what sets us apart. God's presence in our churches is meant to distinguish us and reveal to those who don't yet know Him what that He is real. Come on, this is why it's so important that we learn how to host God's presence. Like Moses, we need to put our stake in the ground and say, "If you don't go with us, we're not going anywhere." <laughs> 
If, if God isn't with us, we've got nothing to contribute. You know, it's so wonderful when the Word of God, and sometimes gifts, I, I feel I felt like to repent this morning because I've let some of the gifts I had really die, you know, and not get provoked. I think, God, help me. You know, when you start to develop this, when the Word of Knowledge gifts gets, you know, more and more developed in the church, it's so wonderful. I mean, I've been in meetings in the church that I'm leading when someone, you know, brings a word and they say, Something like, and I'm not, you know, exaggerating, someone else had looked, and they look, look, bring it very humbly, you know, and it's not about, they just said, I just feel God says, you know, there's someone here and you're estranged from your son, and I believe his name's Robert, I've just got that name on my heart, and, you know, you've been worried about it and tearful, and, and God told me that he rung you this week and he was suspicious, but God says, this is your time. He's coming back. He's coming back to me and he's going to come back to you and embrace that because God's with you. Yeah. You know, then that person comes up, sometimes publicly, sometimes privately, says, how, did you, how do you guys know about my life? You say, we don't know anything about your life, but he does. And that's the kind of, you know, develop, we want to see that here. Wouldn't you want to see that here? You know, want to see, you know, and it could be any one of us just come to Tim and say, Tim, I just think I've got this. And, and it's, we've got to learn it, you know. We, we learn things. And sometimes you get it wrong. I remember one meeting, I, I was, and we usually had someone on the mic to help with this. And I remember one meeting, it's like, I don't know what happened to the mic, but it's like every prophetic person who was not doing well and out of church came somehow got the mic and started prophesying. <laughs> and I, I remember turning to one of my elders, I said, and there was one up the other said, oh, it's, oh, it's like a Sunday from hell. <laughs> I said, I'll let it, just let, it, let them get it out of their system. <laughs> we'll start again next week. Yeah, it's got, there's vulnerabilities. There's sometimes people come and share stuff and you think, you know, when someone who loves to do that sort of prophetic, you know, dancing that you think, just do it at the back, you know. <laughs> and, some, and sometimes you'd have to say to people, look, I know you really love God and you wouldn't want anyone to, you wouldn't want you to be a distraction from anyone. No, I wouldn't want that. We'll do it at the back. <laughs> and sometimes I stop dancing. <laughs> but you know what, I mean, I've preached in a church in Moscow with the Bolshoi Ballet performing a thing on the resurrection. Oh my goodness, that's what I mean. So we've got to learn. But God wants us to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Are you not hungry for more of God? Amen. So one thing I've never lost, I've lost other things, but I've never lost my thirst for God. Because He is available to everyone of us. Let's stand. We're going to clear.